Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, season two, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the You on the Camino podcast. I've got a guest with me today who has some plans to walk the Camino in 2023. I'm excited for you to meet her and to hear her plans. I'm pleased to introduce you to Meg from Tacoma, Washington, and we're going to get to know her as we go. So I'm going to keep the introductory information on the short side because I want to get her talking right away. So hi, Meg, welcome to the podcast. Hello. And you're coming to us, I think I just said it, right? Tacoma, Washington? Correct. Very, very good. Is that hometown for you? I think you said you may have maybe have lived other places. Yeah, grew up kind of a child of the world. My dad was in the Navy, so we moved all around. But Washington was always home base because it's where both my parents were born and grew up. So we always kind of had that as a touchstone. And then my dad retired in Bremerton in Kitsap County, which is just 30 minutes from where I am now. So, ah, very good. And so when you say child of the world, you, can you name a few places where you lived and what you loved about it? Sure. Um, Everybody loves this list. Virginia, California, Hawaii, Guantanamo Bay, and then Bremerton. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. And And what would you say you took away from being the child of the world? I think, you know, growing up in tropical places, in in beach towns, just that relaxed, like laid back island feel. (laughs) I know it. (laughs) I know it. Oh, good. Yeah. I like that kind of go with the flow, roll with the waves. Yeah. Very good. Now you've been listening to the podcast. I think you listened to season one. Excellent. And I'm going to talk, I'll refer to that later on, but I I want to get you talking about your Camino plans. So I Mm -hmm. think you said 2023. Correct. So I'd love for you, and and this is how we get the point on the map and the point on the calendar. So those who are listening can imagine with us where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing. So if you would start by sharing with us the route that you'll be walking, where you'll be starting, and where you plan to finish your walk. Okay. Well, as, as, the, as I've heard many, many times, I'll be starting the Camino out my front door. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and heading to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Now I'm going to interject for a second. I've also heard and said many times the Camino actually begins the moment you say yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, That too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. We'll get back to that. So I am doing, I'm uh, traveling with my mother and my sister, and we are going to fly into Paris and spend a little bit of time recuperating from the jet lag and then taking a train to St. Jean-Pied-de-Port and then going the Francis route. Great. Very good. And where will you finish your walk? We are going to officially finish in Camino de Santiago, but we are going to spend a couple days there and then probably take a bus or a train out to Finisterre. 
because we do want to get to the coast. <laughs> Very good. Well, and being from Washington, you're and all that tropical time, you're probably yeah. a bit of an island, a, a coastal girl anyway. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Okay. And when are you going? We haven't settled on specific dates yet, but um, my sister and I are both in education. Ah. And so we have summers off. Great. And then my uh, mom, this is kind of a, a retirement thing, celebration partially. So, um, we're going to go We're my younger child turns 13, in the middle of July. Mm. So we're either going to leave that night or the next day. Cause I want to be here. Yeah, for the birthday. <laughs> absolutely. So, and then spend, uh, the next month wow. traveling and walking. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful. So before I go on to the next topic, I want to ask back to that, the moment you said yes. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that moment? You know, it feels like I've kind of always known about the Camino, Mm -hmm. but didn't really pay attention to it. And I, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago or so, I've always been into hiking and camping, Mm -hmm. but maybe about 10 years ago or so I decided I was going to be a backpacker (laughs) (laughs) knowing nothing like (laughs) bought all this gear and spent all this money. And then first trip out with my, at the time, like eight year old, (laughs) no, maybe even younger, maybe she, anyway, it was miserable. (laughs) Oh, why? Why? Well, I got terrified of bears and it was cold and windy and it was, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and we had way too much weight. And so it was just like, and I was all just, I was the only adult decision maker. Oh, it was, yeah, just her and I, and it was a lot. <laughs> yeah. That, that feels risky. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, I thought I planned so well, but at any rate, Coming back, I was like, oh, I learned all these things and I can do hard things. And it was an amazing, like there was still so much value in mm-hmm. the experience. And then within the next couple of years, my sister and I decided that we were going to section hike the PCT. Oh. So we started planning. And so we've done two different sections, short sections, like 70 miles. And at some point she said something about the Camino and then mom said something about the Camino. And then I had, because I'd been watching so many backpacking YouTube videos, all my, all the people I was following had done the Camino. So again, it was always just kind of rattling around in my brain, but until I had the summers off, it was like, well, I can't ever take the time off to do that. Okay. And then because I chose to move into a position that allowed me to have that time, I was like, oh, we're going for this. <laughs> How about now? Yeah. So when my sister had said something about the Camino, she had talked about a week or two mm-hmm. and I was like, that sounds good. But I was not like that wasn't quite the call. And then I had kept, I kept dreaming about it. I was like planning it in my dreams. <laughs> and then I asked my mom, I said, okay, mom, what, what's your desire? If you, 
you know, I, I know you've heard, I've heard you say you want to do this for your retirement, but what, what does that mean? And she said, I want to, I want to take a month. I want to do the whole thing. And I was like, really? And that was the moment. That was the moment I think that was the yes. And for some reason I was at her house and we were hanging out and she had bought the book that everybody has. I can't remember the name of it. Maybe the Briarly, John Briarly guidebook. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever okay. that guidebook. And I just sat there for hours <laughs> just reading through the guidebook. And I was like, oh my God, this is happening. Oh, <laughs> how exciting. Yeah. And I think that was probably like, probably maybe a year ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So when you feel, when you think about, oh my gosh, this is happening and you, you the emotions probably well up and probably yeah. very exciting. What's the primary emotion for you when you're, when you think about it, when you imagine yourself in St. Jean or you imagine yourself after 10 days of walking, what do you, what's in your mind and in your, in your heart? The two things that are immediate is relationship and focus. Hmm. So being able to have that connection with my family and with other walkers. Mm -hmm. And then also just like allowing my, I'm neurodivergent and allowing myself to just single focus on something for a month Mm. just feels like a luxury (laughs) just to be like, the only job is to walk. That's my only job. (laughs) Wow. What will that give you? What, what, what's on the other side of that? Oh, what's on the other side of that? Mm. I think the experience that I've had walking the Pacific Crest Trail has been where I am able, it takes a minute to tap into that walking phase or that focus, that meditative state. And then being able to get to that state. And then the, the hike is almost over the, the trek mm. is done and then it's right back into real life. Mm. And so to be able to like settle into it and then push through that, because there is a little bit like after day six or seven, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm ready to go home, but uh-huh. be able to push yeah. through that and like yeah. keep going. Mm. And then have maybe a little bit more time at the end to settle in and process the whole thing versus mm. just like, okay, we, pr- we did all this prep work. We had a week and now it's gone and done. And it's still going to feel that way, but just a little bit more of an extended experience of settling into that meditative yeah. quality that the walk gives. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I find anytime I do something like this, something big, there's a, at that six day, it's about six to seven days. I go, okay, I got what I came for. I can go home now. Yeah. But what if there's more, there's right. more to get by continuing on the path? Yeah. Oh, that's good. The other thing that came to mind is we, um, in our culture, we put so much time and energy into planning weddings. Mm. But do we plan, do we talk about how the marriage is going to go? Right. Yeah. And so the planning and the preparation and the excitement and the ordering the flowers and the backpack and the trekking poles and getting the caterer lined up and where are we going to sleep? Yeah. 
and then you're on the trail and oh man, now we got to do the work. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Since you've hiked the PCT some, you know, it's work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you're adding in another component, which uh, my previous interviewees didn't have, which is you're going with two people rather than going solo, which so many people say the best way is solo. Yeah. And I'm absolutely convinced it was for them and it was for me and it isn't for some other people. And right. so I'm curious, what kinds of conversations have you and your mom and your sister had to get the team ready? Right. We keep saying we need to sit down and talk. We need to sit down and talk. We need to sit down and talk. It's t- it like literally is time now. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had little snippets of conversation like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And And it has been, I think, really good honing those communication skills with my family Mm. because, and this is something that I feel like your podcast has really provided to me because having those instructions (laughs) (laughs) to be like, have these conversations Mm -hmm. or think about these things and what, instead of saying our Camino saying my Camino, like this Mm. is my Camino. What do I want that to look like? And yes, I am traveling with my family, but we're all going to have our own experiences and I'm not responsible for theirs and they're not responsible for mine. And I have to take that responsibility. Ah, Very good. So it's a little bit like, uh, maybe like intensive family therapy. Yes. Yes, it absolutely can be. Yeah. So the those questions that I shared on on the podcast, I wish I had the episode off the top of my head. It's the episode on who who are you going with? Who will be going right. on the Camino with you is to really talk about the needs of each person. Because what if you've got someone in your group that needs privacy when they sleep and they really need a private room or just one other person who they know, but everybody else is like, no, let's sleep in the dorms with 20 people. Yeah. And what if there's a disconnect or what if one person is on an albergue budget, which is 15 euros a night and someone else has a bigger budget? How do you bring all that together? What do you see might be one of the really key issues you'll need to talk about before you go? I think definitely hiking pace and maybe like trying to find the right words, like coordination of logistics. Yeah. I mean, Grace and I have backpacked together. So we, we get like, we know how it works between the two of us. So it will just be a different dynamic and adding mom into the mix. But I think I think it's going to be really cool having the three of us because we just, we, we do get along really, really well. So I'm not too worried about that part of it. I think for me individually, I get impatient and I want to go. And so I might be ready to go sooner than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And when Grace and I have hiked, the getting ready part of it, we're usually both ready to go at the same time, but maybe I'm a little bit faster paced when we, when we hike, like I mm-hmm. leave and just go. And then sometimes I'll wait for her to catch up. And other times we just kind of go separately and then, you know, catch up for lunch or breaks or whatever. But on the PCT, that's different than the way it'll be 
on the Camino because it's not populated. Like you're just sitting on the side of the trail eating your sandwich or whatever. Yeah, so. miss you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that will have to be like a conversation of like, how are we going to coordinate mm-hmm. meal times and where we're staying and, you know, a little bit of flexibility, but also reminding myself that I'm, that I have to be in charge of myself because <laughs> mm. it's easy to just get caught up in what the group wants instead of, so in a way going solo is the easier route because yeah. you don't have to worry about other people. So it's a little bit of a challenge specifically like an ordeal to put, to put us in a group and say, okay, how are we going to do this together separately? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I know what you mean. There's a, there, when you're traveling solo, when you're walking the Camino solo, there's this incredible sense of freedom that not everybody has had in their lives. If you've traveled independently, you're used to it and you're used to the get up, do your own thing, get on the trail when you want to get on your, on the trail. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's some people thrive on that freedom and some people go, uh, what do I, what do I, what do yeah. I do next? You know, yeah. but when you've got three people who you're coordinating, it can get a little jumbled. But I'm going to assert that within a few days, and once you get your legs under you, and once you get the rhythm of the Camino and the rhythm of the Spanish day, mm-hmm. you're going to have a, it's just going to kind of flow because right. there's a confidence that comes for people when they start to walk the Camino and they realize, wait a minute. I get this. Yeah. And you build a competence and competence is intoxicating and competence, (laughs) competence, you know, and so your mom might be the one like, okay, see you at lunch. Nope. Forget (laughs) lunch. Forget lunch. I'll see you at the end of the day. We're going where? Great. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You just don't know who is going to come out. Right. Maybe it's already there. Maybe that independence and has been waiting to blossom, but also there's something that could come out that you don't even know yet. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That made me think of for my 40th, I went to France and did the homestay and then Paris and solo traveled. Wonderful. And it, yeah, it was amazing. And I can't wait to be back in Paris. I'm so excited. <laughs> du croissant, s'il vous plaît. Mm. It's all the French <laughs> I know. That's it. Go to breakfast. <laughs> all right. So one of the things that the PCT has taught me is that I am really great at planning, but I just get deer in the headlights when it comes to the logistics of actually traveling. Oh, whereas my sister Grace is the opposite. She's like, ah, you just plan everything. And then when it comes to the logistics, she just leads me around. (laughs) So, I mean, I kind of need her. (laughs) Great team approach. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that has been one factor. You know, I don't enjoy that part of the traveling. I want somebody else to just tell me where to go. (laughs) I love it. So, yeah. Okay. So you were talking about how Grace is really good at logistics and you have other strengths. I wonder if you could talk a bit about thinking in the preparation and the planning. So that stuff you're doing right now, what? superpower do you bring (laughs) to the game? You know, we're all good at something. So when you're getting the team ready, 
what's your superpower that's coming out or that you could tap into to get you to the the starting point? Right. I think it's easy for me to put the different pieces together. I can research and figure out all of the components and then be able to drill it down into a way that we can be like, okay, this makes the most sense for all of us or individually, mm-hmm. you know, this will work. I, I love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so let's imagine your spreadsheet then have you, have you started any spreadsheets yet for the Camino? Yeah. Yeah. I, a few, in fact, so a couple of years ago, my one of my assistants gave me this journal. It's beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Oh, wow. And so I was like, I hadn't put anything in it. So then I was like, oh, what am I going to use this for? What am I going to use this for? And then as soon as I found your podcast, I was like, oh, I'm going to use this journal. So I, so I've been doing everything in here by hand. Mm-hmm. I have a few digital things, but the analog has been kind of nice because it's helping me tap into that intuition slash intention versus it being like computer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So trying to make that time and space to think intentionally about what, what I want the experience to be and what, yeah. And how, how do the logistic, how can I make the, the logistics more grounded or spiritual Hmm. for lack of a better word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good word and it's a good place to start the question and then see what unfolds and see Mm -hmm. what, what does spiritual mean when we talk about the logistics of it? Right. Yeah. And maybe it is, maybe it could be a many things, but maybe it's just staying present to what your needs are and how the journey can fulfill that. And then what, what's your role in it? Yeah, mm, mm. definitely. Yeah. Now, but ha- have you created any spreadsheets? Cause I know some of our listeners will want to know what's in your spreadsheet. Oh, <laughs> I, I haven't pulled them up in a while. I've been just using this journal. Great. I think I did one trying to figure out financial costs. Mm-hmm. And then I did another one with checkpoints, <laughs> like my or kilometer checkpoints. Yeah. So those are kind of the starting ones. (laughs) Right. Great. And they'll grow from there. I'm certain. Yeah. exactly. Oh, and then of course, dates, figuring out. Mm. Yeah. Hiking days versus travel days. Yeah. And you said you're going to take a month to walk the Camino. Have you figured out how far you'll have to walk each day to finish in that time frame? Right. So we would like to do as many miles as possible. My mother and I are of an age where, (laughs) you know, 20 miles a day is not reasonable. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. You know, it's not a lot for a one day hike or a two day Mm -hmm. hike, but for 30 days, really too many miles. (laughs) Yeah. So we've already established that walking all of the miles is not the goal. The goal is to go from, to travel somehow from the start to the finish, which for us is Paris. So that, you know, including that train ride as part of Mm. the Camino, all of that is leading us to this place. And it, and it also feels like 
a way to build intensity because mm-hmm. we know we know we're going to walk the last hundred kilometers period. Okay. And so going back from that, it took me a minute to figure out. Cause I was like, so daunted by all these miles and all of these checkpoints, stages, whatever. And I was like, I can't follow any of these guidebooks. Cause we're not doing that many miles a day. We just aren't. That's right. And so it was kind of like starting from scratch mm-hmm. and I don't even know how I must've had a dream or something, but it dawned on me that I don't have to plan a month of hiking. I just have to plan three, three PCT sections. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I divided it into those three stages from, you know, the last hundred kilometers, the middle section, and then the beginning section, and then the train section from Paris. So great. Got these four stages that will kind of, I mean, obviously climbing over the Pyrenees is going to be intense but trying to build intensity as we go, Mm. physical intensity. Mm -hmm. I lost track of the question. I don't know where we were. You know, I think I did too, but we can still, we can just roll with what we got. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But so you're talking about the, um, the intensity and building intensity and that first two days out of St. Jean are probably the most physically taxing. Right. Because you're going up and then steeply down. Right. And those two things are hard on the body. Right. And then, yeah. And then you've got some more time to get stronger, but the, the, the first two days out of the gate really needs some strong legs Yeah. and cardiovascular health. Right. Yeah. And then you'll work it out. But you, you brought up a really good question because one of the things is how do you plan an itinerary given any given set of factors. Right. So you've got this many days of walking, maybe some rest days and this distance to cover. How do we do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in, in my sort of process is the first thing is to decide how far you think you want to walk each day. Cause that is sort of the heart right. of your experience is right. how much time are you going to spend on the trail each day? What cities, towns, and villages are you going to be in? Right. And yeah, how do you make that all work? And that how fast do you walk? Is it, we're in miles here. So is it two miles an hour, two and a half, three miles an hour? Or is it kilometers? Is it three kilometers, four kilometers, five kilometers? Because that tells you how long you're going to walk each day. And maybe you walk four kilometers an hour, your mom walks five kilometers an hour and your sister walks three kilometers an hour. Well, how do we pick a stopping point? And I'm going to be four hours. She's going to be five. She's going to be six hours. Mm -hmm. A lot of little moving parts there. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I think we had kind of, well, my planning, again, we all need to communicate about this, but what I figured makes sense for me is somewhere between five and 10 miles a day. Okay. And I allotted nine days for the final stage from Saria to Santiago, and then eight days for the section before, and then eight days for the section before. So that would be all the walking days. Okay. And then whether or not, if there's a day that we're like, we just can't do it. Or if there's an injury or whatever. So those other two stages will, will have the flexibility to bus or taxi ahead, 
then we'll start the next stage on those date markers, regardless of how many steps we walk. (laughs) That's great. There's, there's sort of a funny myth that there's one right way to do this. Right. And that in order to be a real pilgrim people, you got to walk every step. Right. (laughs) And I'm, I will say that gives you a particular experience and it's a really incredible life altering experience. And so is any other way you do it. Exactly. They're just different. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, so your superpower is engaged. I can see that. So that's good. (laughs) Are there any questions that I can answer for you? Any? Let's do that next. So I do have some chronic health issues and some dietary restrictions. Okay. And so I'm a little bit nervous about, like, I think I can figure out with my doctor, like making sure I have the medications that I need while Mm -hmm. I'm there, Mm -hmm. but the food is a little bit of an issue. I can't, I have in the States, I can't do gluten. When I was in France, I tried a little bit and I did okay, but I didn't eat a ton. I know that their, their processing is different Mm -hmm. than ours. So there's that, but also I don't want to like go crazy and then not feel good. (laughs) Absolutely. So gluten is a little bit of an issue. Okay. And then I can do most dairy I can do, but milk itself lactose free. So I don't know if that's a thing over there. If lactose free is available. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then there are, I'll just have like sensory taste bud issues where I'm like, this tastes terrible. I cannot eat it. (laughs) Hmm. Interesting. My compensation for that the fear, we pack our fears, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that I will overpack all of these snacks. Mm. And then I travel with all this stuff that I don't really need. And I, I want to just trust that the trail will provide, Mm -hmm. but also I'm terrified to not have enough food. (laughs) I totally get that. I'm a vegetarian. And so I, I take some restrictions with me. And so, so when I first started walking the trail, it was, it was really challenging and oh yeah, unexciting. Let's just say not the most <laughs> exciting culinary adventure for a right. vegetarian. Yeah. But things have changed. And I'm also pretty sure that I died in a famine in a previous life because it feels <laughs> hardwired to be afraid right. of being hungry and going without. I don't yeah. know the theory I got. Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and are you going to carry a bag or transport items? Both. Both. Okay. Okay. The nice thing about the luggage transport service is you can actually let yourself have some extra weight. Right. And so if you need to have a few things, you know, nutrition is essential. You're going to be expending a lot of calories each day. And so you do need to have nutrition. And if Carrying that in an extra bag that you ship gives you the peace of mind until you know what's available. Right. Yeah. Then that, that's going to make a difference for you. That's going to empower you to, to walk with walk in peace and then also get to know Spain and what they have available because they do have bio shops. It's their word for organic. Okay. And supermarkets now have sections of bio. And so there's stuff available, but until you get there and you see it for yourself and you go to the supermarket and you, you know, try some things out. We don't actually know. And this is such a critical area. Right. Yeah. 
And you've probably heard the phrase, the Camino provides. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But you got to do your part too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can't be irresponsible and expect that the Camino is going to solve all the problems you throw at it when you're not doing your part. And it sounds like you're, you're doing your part. Yeah. 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 And gluten is another one that, that is a little tricky because they are pretty bread intensive and they, they like to put everything, not everything I'm overstating, but a lot of stuff goes on a baguette. Right. And more often there's a basket of bread at the table for any meal. Always it's included in the pilgrims menus or the daily menus, menu del dia or menu de peregrino. And you can just ask for no bread. Sin pan. P-A-N is bread. Do you know any Spanish? I took a couple years in high school okay. and then I did, I did a mission trip in middle school. And so we learned a bunch then, and then I've been practicing on Duolingo lately. So it's been so fun with my middle schooler practicing. I love it. Yeah. We learned, donde está el baño? Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then in high school, una cerveza, por favor. One, <laughs> yeah. one beer, please. I don't know why we learned that in high school, but anyway, (laughs) anyway, so yeah. So one of the tips is to, is to have either to confidently be able to say, yo soy celiac. So you could even say I'm celiac. I can't do gluten. And they know what that means. No pun, no bread, please. Mm -hmm. Or to have whatever. And for the listeners, anything that is really a restriction, write it up on a little card. Right in Spanish and then have it laminated and then be able to show that to your server. Right. And then nothing they're, they're getting used to it, you know, with 400,000, 600,000 pilgrims coming through every year. Yeah. It's been a wonderful evolution to see people cater to the needs of pilgrims. It it used to be as a vegetarian, when you ordered vegetarian uh, sopa de lentejas, which is lentil soup, it would come with a chunk of chorizo floating in it. Oh, geez. And then you'd say, no, no, I actually can't eat that. They'd take it back to the kitchen, pick it out, pick and bring it out. It back to the same bowl. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> where's the salad? Oh, wait, there's tuna on the salad. So you have to, you know, it's really, it's, it's, that's part of the adventure. Right. Yeah, part right. of the adventure. Now, when you, when you go, will you be staying in the albergues and the pilgrims hostels, or will you stay in private room places like hotels and hostales? My desire is to do a combination. And then have some real fancy hotel nights Mm -hmm. and then mostly private rooms. And then maybe at least try the albergues to Mm -hmm. see, to have that experience. Yeah. It's definitely a conversation for the three of us as far as cost and desire. Mm -hmm. But I definitely know that all of us sleep better in solitude. (laughs) Yeah. Totally with you. Totally with you. And, and we're, we're all good bunk mates. So the ability to have some kind of room where the three of us can be not in a dorm, yeah. that sounds perfect because yeah. then we can share the cost of that private room mm-hmm. and still have that camaraderie. So it's great. And it's become really common for albergues to have private rooms. And even they wouldn't even call it a private room, but it would be more of a small dorm room with only right. three beds. Right. 
And then if let's say you adopt someone on the trail and someone right. becomes part of your little group, you could get a room with four beds. Right. And then you've got your privacy. You don't yeah. have to be in these dorm rooms with eight or 20 or a hundred exactly. dorm beds. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think you're going to find that as you're, as you're traveling, you look for those small dorm or those small rooms at the hostels. Cause I think what they call a private room is very often a double. So there's either two twin beds or two twins beds pushed together to make a bigger bed. <laughs> yeah. And so if you just say, do you have a room with three beds? Yeah. I think you'll find that. And also the, the places that have private rooms also know that they have pilgrims coming who may not want to share a bed. And so oftentimes there will be a triple room that you can get. And you're right. absolutely right. You can save money that way. Now, yeah. the reason I asked that question is because if you stay in the albergues, you've probably read this or seen it on YouTube videos. Many of them have the kitchens. Oh, yeah. Where you can prepare your own meals. And anybody with, with dietary restrictions, this is a great way to go because then you have complete say over what your dinner is. Right. And you can go to the supermarket in the afternoon, either before it closes at two or after it opens at five and right. buy your, buy your groceries and make the meal that you want. Yeah. And that sounds like super doable to me mm -hmm. going shopping, you know, getting some staples that we can have as we're walking and also for meals in the evenings. Excellent. Afternoons, evenings. I was really like, uh, cause I know that their meal schedules are so different from mm -hmm. the States. And so I was like, uh, but then I, whatever the last episode that I listened to, you had talked about mm -hmm. eating your big meal, like a late lunch and then yeah. having like a snack before bed. And I was like, Oh, that's reasonable. <laughs> I was like, how am I going to do that? Like, I can't, yeah. like, I really need to eat every couple hours. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we especially on the trail, Grace and I schedule our snack breaks. We schedule everything around our food. <laughs> I love it. Ugh. I think we could be friends, Meg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. Now, the question about medications, you may have heard about the pharmacies in Spain, mm -hmm. the farmacia, which is really curious. You can buy a lot of medications there without showing a prescription. Okay. And I had that happen last fall when I extended my trip by a month unexpectedly, and I only brought enough medications for the time I had planned for. I went online to my medical provider, pulled up the prescriptions and I went in and I asked for them and they're like, oh, yeah, no problem. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. No, it was no big right. deal. Now that's not true for all medications, but for some of these, you know, those are basic. I'm, I'm over 50, you know, the high blood pressure and cholesterol right. plan right. and <laughs> a one month supply of three different medications was like seven or eight bucks. I mean, it oh, was wow. really Great. crazy. Yeah. So so one thing to do maybe is to see if you can check before you go what you would need at a right. pharmacy if you have to refill. Okay. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So medications and food. Yeah. Any other questions on those items? I had downloaded, oh, this is a separate question. I had downloaded, I think it's the Ninja. Camino Ninja. Yeah, there was yeah. one app and I guess it's no longer being updated and it seems like such a cool app. So it looks like maybe the maps will still work, but maybe that they won't have all the details of what's in those towns. What what other apps are good slash 
can I use that app at all? <laughs> it's a good question. It's one I have myself because I love the Camino Ninja app. I love the way they set up. I'm yeah. starting here and I'm, yeah. I can choose all these places based on how far I want to walk. Yeah. So as you heard, it's no longer being maintained. The, the owner of the app died in the summer this year. Right. And right. so if you have it, it's still working. If you don't have it, you can only get it if you're an iPhone user. You can't yeah. get it on Android anymore. And the, the thought is that once the hosting year comes up for renewal for the app, yeah. if nobody can get into it, it's going to go away. Go away. The, yeah. But we don't know. We really yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully either someone can get in and take it over because it, he did such great work. He really oh dialed God, into right? the pilgrim. It's really well done. So other apps besides that, let's see, the wise pilgrim app probably has the best reputation. And I'm going to be very candid and say, I haven't spent much time on any other apps because I'm so hooked on the ninja app. Another one that has maps is the Gron Gronze site. It's G-R-O-N-Z-E. Uh -huh. com, and they've got some maps in there. And then my other trick is, at least in the cities, I use uh, Google Maps on my phone sure. and I navigate through cities that way. And I, I think it, it's one of the reasons it's a hard question for me to answer is because since I've spent so much time on the Camino, I have all the maps in my head. And so, and so I always know where I am relative right. to other towns. Yeah. Right. So Google Maps is a great tool just so that you get your where you are in relation right. to other places on the Camino. The other use that people use those maps for is to navigate. And mm -hmm. in my experience, it's actually easier to set aside the phone and look around you. Right. As the trail is so well marked with arrows and scallop shells that you can just you can find your way. Mm -hmm. along the trail using those. So if you don't mind, I'm going to tell my, one of my favorite stories from my first. Yeah. <laughs> so I started in Pamplona, my first walk in 2005. And back then there were no English language guidebooks <laughs> and there were no apps. Why? Because there were no smartphones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I got to Pamplona and I stayed in it. I went to the albergues. This one's not even open anymore. It's now a fancy hotel and there's bunches more in Pamplona. But the Hospitalero, who's the host, um, I said, where, where do I go? I'm going to Santiago. Where do I go? And he took me outside. He goes, come here. And he pointed to a sign that had a, an arrow and a scallop shell on it. And he goes, do you see that? I said, yeah. He goes, go that way. <laughs> that was <That's> it. it. <laughs> yeah. That was it. I followed the yellow arrows and the scallop shells the whole way to Santiago. Great. And now it's even better signposted. I mean, some sure. of the times you're like, stop it already. I know where I'm going. You know? <laughs> yeah. So for me, it's part of the fun is yeah. to find those arrows. Cause what you do is you come, you, you walk until you see one. So you don't get all creative and go, I think I'll go left or right. No, yeah. no, stay, don't change until you get to the <laughs> next arrow. And then you get to say an intersection and you you scan your eye scans the, you know, what's it up. Oh, there it is. That way. <laughs> and you go that way. And they change. So it's really fun coming out of Saint-Jean, you're in France. So they're yeah. different. And so you go, oh, oh, that's what they look like. Okay. I'm following that symbol or that particular version of an arrow. Follow, follow, follow. 
you get into Spain and they're a little bit different. And then you get into the middle and it's different there. And then Santiago, yeah. you know, so I think it's just so fun yeah. to use the trail markers to find where you are and where you're going and then use some kind of a map to get where you are in relation to the rest of the trail. Right. Yeah. Oh, so good. It makes me think of that's part of the reason why that I really want to be able to, to do some in each section, mm -hmm. like rather than just starting in Saria and taking the whole time or starting, you know, wherever and doing, you know, but being able to see a little bit in each, each section, yeah. because it's going to be so different all the way across. Yes. And yes. having that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <Sign me> up. <laughs> yeah. Now, another thing I wanted to touch on when you talked about the intensity and the building intensity, you, you're planning to go in July. Yes. Yes. That is, <laughs> <laughs> I, as much as I, you just have to make a decision based on yes. the parameters that you have. Absolutely. And I have off, so that's when I have to go. That's when I you're mean, going. Yeah. Not have to. Get to. You get to go in July. That's when I get to go. <laughs> While I am a coast person, mm -hmm. I am northern coast person, <laughs> not a southern coast person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be so hot. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I totally am fine getting up before the sun and going because I know that's when it's going to make the most sense to mm -hmm. walk and then sleep, go to bed earlier. And that's fine. But I am a little nervous about the heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, this could yeah. be where you enjoy having your own rooms because mm -hmm. then you control the ventilation and the window open component, right? Because right? at nighttime, it does mercifully cool off unless it's a crazy heat wave. Right. And then you can open the window and cool off at night. So that's handy. Air conditioning is not, you know, what it is in Florida. <laughs> so it's not quite as much. Yeah. But you're absolutely right in those hotter, hotter times starting first thing in the morning. And if you're planning to walk five to 10 miles a day, you could be done by 11 in the morning before right. it gets to the worst. Right. Yeah. And then you just sit still the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. I, a cup of ice, uh, tea or, uh, lemonade. <laughs> yeah. Or if you, if you can find a gluten-free beer, yeah. <laughs> something really cold. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bring that up also because one of the things people always worry about are the crowds. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've thought about what crowd level you might expect in July. Right. Yeah. That was another thing I had looked at dates closer to when school gets out, but my, mm -hmm. we don't get done until like the 23rd of June. It's so late in the year. Mm. And so there was just no way to, and I can't take time off during the school year. It just isn't. Yeah. It's not a thing. Like ideally I would be able to go in the fall. Mm -hmm. This is when it's happening. Yeah, no, totally. When I get to do it. So that's another thing that I'm just embracing. I think <laughs> my I feel like my mom is more worried about the, how busy it's going to be. Mm -hmm. Th that's my impression anyway. I don't. Yeah. But for me, just embracing the crowds is, mm. I think, going to be part of the experience. And somewhat, I mean, I'm a little bit excited about it because it's that <laughs> energy. Like we're all on right. this common thread. So even though we're all starting in different places and at different points of our lives and 
all of the things that brought us there, but that energy that we're all working towards this kind of common goal. And that, that's the power of the Camino. You get into that, you get onto that river and everybody's flown in the same direction. But a couple of things about the crowd. So I suspect that you're not going to have any problem starting in St. Jean, no problem with crowds. And you probably won't have any problem until you get to Saria. Right. What's interesting, I I have a friend who has a guest house on the Camino and Robinal del Camino, which is the the last third after Leon, starting to go over the two mountain passes. July was their slowest month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And at the beginning, it's the same thing. So I have a friend who has an albergue in Dubiri, which is the either your second or third night. And she's like, July 25th, St. James Day, we closed. There were no pilgrims. <laughs> yeah. So I have a feeling at the, uh, until you get to Saria, I, I suspect It'll you be, won't be yeah. dealing with crowds. When yeah. you get to Saria, though, there are a couple things that you can do to work with the crowds rather okay. than against them. So the one thing that I would suggest is to book your places in advance. So as soon as you know when you're hitting Saria, go ahead and book the rest of those nights. Okay. Yeah. And so, and the other thing is because you're breaking it down, I think you said nine days for that part. Yeah. I just walked it last fall in eight days. Okay. And and I'd be happy to share that itinerary with you. And what it did was it kept me off the main stopping points that the guidebooks say you're supposed to stop at. Yeah. Instead, I picked between those. Yeah. And my first stage was a half stage. The first day I only walked 10 kilometers, which is just over six miles. And I stayed at this wonderful little little guesty house. They've grown and expanded over the years to become this major business entity, but they've done it really well. Cool. And so I stayed there. And that what that meant is that everyone who started in Sari on that day went 20 kilometers and they're now ahead of me. Right. Everyone who starts the next day is 10 kilometers behind me. So I'm not with them on the trail. No, yeah. And I kept I kept doing that and starting and stopping. And I also, because it was fall, I could start later and not melt. Right. Um, <laughs> so there's there are actually some ways to have Saria de Santiago not feel crazy busy. So busy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all about so, your stages and and how far how far you walk each day. Right. One video that I watched, they talked about getting into Santiago and it just being a madhouse. Mm. And I do feel like a little bit of a pull of that maybe even a little bit of grief that I Mm. won't have that experience in a quite meditative fashion. Mm. But also one of the things that they wished they had known was to go, I guess there's some Camino informational office and they wish they had gone there first because they went there the next day and it was like the welcome that they wanted and the excitement and the celebration that they wanted. Whereas when they walked in, it, they just felt like they were in the way rather than experiencing what they wanted to experience. And so oh, it wow. was kind of good to hear that yeah. story and know that, okay, I can, I can set myself up for that experience mm-hmm. being what I want it to be or cultivate it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's true of the whole way Yeah, to, to, know going into it, what your expectations are, what your hopes are, what your dreams are, what you're imagining. And then 
not be attached to that so that when it doesn't serve it up to you, Camino provides, (laughs) but then you go and say, you know what? I'm looking for this. I'm going to find it. Yeah. That out. I'm going to create this. It's like this great training ground for your whole life. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. So when you were just describing the place that they went to, it sounds like the pilgrim's office in Santiago where you get the Compostela. Do you think that's what it was? Or was it another place? I feel like it was a different place because it sound everything that I watched sounds like you're kind of like herded like cattle through, mm-hmm. but maybe that's not true. I don't know. <laughs> it it depends on how busy it is. I think yeah, the, exactly. the feel of it. Yeah. But this was some kind of informational place or almost like a cafe, like they had mm-hmm. seating. I'd have to go back and look at it. Okay. The There's a wonderful place in Santiago called Pilgrim House. Maybe that's what it was. Terra Nova Pilgrim House. And it's run by an American couple. They worked for 10 years to get this going. And they 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 were tenacious in getting this place established. And they did an incredible job. And it's got all kinds of stuff. There are there are two, I think two separate lounges where you can sit. There are volunteers who you can have a conversation with about your Camino. There's laundry facilities and cooking facilities and luggage storage and printing Mm -hmm. available. But the key is it's a really warm, welcoming place where you can just go, I'm I'm here and feel it and talk to someone. Important to know they're closed Sunday and Wednesday. So if you land in Santiago on one of those two days, that won't be your first stop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it also brings up another point is getting your Compostela. You don't have to go the day you get there. Right. You can wait till the next day or the next day. I got one uh, six weeks after. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I, I walked in October and then I went to Portugal for a week and went to a friend's place for a month and then walked back to, went back to Santiago for a weekend and then got it. <laughs> and so you can Great. get it at any time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. And then there's also a tourist information office in Santiago. That's not, it's not a pilgrim welcome center, but it is the source of anything and everything you need to know about Santiago. They can get you set up with that information. What's happening, what's on, what's, what's, you know, any exhibits or shows or entertainment or anything they can get you set up. And then the other thing i love about information about Santiago. Have you heard of the newscast called Good Morning Santiago with Lee Brennan? No. I'm going to put the link for that in the notes for the show and I'll I'll send it to you as well. So Lee is this delightful expatriate, although I don't think she calls herself that. She is one of a number of American pilgrims who have relocated to Santiago and she and a friend, uh, Patty Silva, have put together this newscast. Patty's behind the camera and Lee's in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And they're they're showing us Santiago and they're showing us the insider view. So mm-hmm. you find out the best places to go for anything and you get to see and feel what it's like to be in Santiago. And um, it's it's a very, very nicely done newscast. So cool. I'll share that. I'll share that with everyone. And that gets you more excited. So speaking yeah. of Santiago, I want you to imagine... You are at the end of your pilgrimage and you and your mom and Grace are standing in front of the cathedral. You've just walked in. What are you feeling? Where, oh, what God. are you anticipating? I'm, 
I'm tired, but energized. (laughs) I am ready to process. I, (laughs) I want to be able to process and integrate that feeling into my life, being able to, I'm tapping into what my needs, wants, and desires are and live that Mm. all the time, that presence, that, yeah, grounding. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We go hoping to bring back something and to have our lives be different, but not just different, better. Yeah. And we get to say what that version of better is. That's what's so fun about it. Yeah. Yeah. And not that it's like all rainbows, kittens, and puppy dogs, but that, (laughs) but that I can tap into that feeling even through the challenge, even through Mm -hmm. the, and knowing, not trying to change the challenge, just Mm. living through the challenge. Yeah. Leaning into it a bit, maybe. Yeah. 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 The beautiful thing about what what you just said is you're going to take yourself on a journey, a 30 day journey, most of which is walking at the pace of walking. Something happens. Yeah. And you're practicing whatever you're doing. You're practicing, you're practicing simplicity. You're practicing being present. You're practicing connecting with strangers and people who have something in common, which is true everywhere. We all have something in common, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. practicing, 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 and then you get to take that home with you. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Very nice. Okay. Well, let's wrap up with, let's see, what do I want to ask you for the wrap up? (laughs) Um, Oh, got any tips for future pilgrims that you've learned along the way on this planning process? I wrote something down about this. I want to uh, reference it. Mm. When planning, make sure to create space for time and space for that intentional thinking, because Mm. I think it's easy to get caught up in the logistics and like, oh, I'll read this blog and I'll watch this video and I'll look at these uh, dates and I'll look at this airline. And so then we just get caught up in all this data collection, Mm -hmm. but we don't take the time to process that data mentally. And sometimes that means just a hot bath and thinking about it, Mm -hmm. not even like planning or taking a walk and thinking about it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Or taking a walk and not thinking about anything (laughs) so that it just gives your brain that time to analyze all the information Mm -hmm. in a way, not not to be productive, but to be intentional. I like that. I like that. And it, and it also reminds me to remember to feel what I'm feeling. Yes. Feel what you're feeling. Cause there's for the first time pilgrim, there's so much, you know, you can be completely all over the map oh, yeah. with that. Totally. Yeah. So I want to share one final tip and then I'll have one more question for you because that's something when I lead groups on the Camino, we start in St. John. And one of the things I have always done is schedule it so that we start walking on a Sunday. Now, most people would think that's crazy because that's one of the busiest days of the week to, to get onto the trail. But on Sunday mornings in St. John, there's this beautiful, there's always this beautiful little church. And on Sunday mornings, there's a service. I think it's at 830 in the morning on Sundays and it's in Basque. So you can't understand it. 
Mm-hmm. And they sing and they talk and, you know, all this stuff, you know, you don't know what's going on, but we go into the church and we sit and listen to beauty in the form of singing and this beautiful spoken yeah. language. And then I invite pilgrims to feel and reflect what you're about yes. to do, because then you can hear your own voice because you can't understand the ones outside. And then yeah. you can just be with that. And then after that's over, you go get a croissant and then walk. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the Ooh. croissant. <laughs> that's a question that I do have yeah. that I forgot to ask earlier. What's that? Coffee. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to have coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you won't have a problem. Not at okay, all. Good. Yeah. You won't have a problem. Now you did say you need lo- lactose-free milk. Right. Or, or an alternative milk. Yeah. And many places have the soy milk or the almond milk or, you know, oat milk or something. You just have to ask. And the other thing is you can order an Americano and and just put a little sugar, you know, whatever you put in it. That's Um, fine too. Yeah. And cafe Americano (laughs) sounds Spanish. So so (laughs) there we go. It's easier, easier. Yeah. It's easy. It's easy to get. You just have to know what to order. Yeah. And all of the coffee is espresso based, so they can do whatever you need. That to works. Do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So my mom was like, I don't know if you'll be able to get your coffee in the morning. You might have to go without. And I was like, mm. yeah, we're not going <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> we're not going. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you, you won't, you won't ever have to go without, but you might have to wait a little bit to, for the first one. Sure. Yeah. Cause it sure. might be in the next village. Right. No, that's fine. You can always get it. Okay. So here's my last question for you. You've listened to season one of the podcast. What think all of it? Yeah. yeah. What do you want to hear about in season two? Oh, what do I want to hear about? I don't know. (laughs) I really like the hearing that people's stories. That's always amazing. Yeah. I, the, all of it, it's, it's, all the stuff. Okay. Anything. <laughs> Got it. Easy to please. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Meg, thank you so much for taking this time with me. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, what a gift to be able to, uh, just deepen my experience by having this beforehand yeah. and, and what a gift you've given to me and other pilgrims who get to make this experience. That's my goal is to empower you to go have your Camino experience. Uh, It's my pleasure, my pleasure. Mm. And maybe in the fall, we can talk again after you've walked. Sounds great. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) I know people would love to hear what happens after. Yeah, that would that would be amazing is to hear the after stories. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Meg as she's getting ready for her walk on the Camino Frances in July of 2023. Now I have a question for you. Would you like to share your story of getting ready to walk the Camino and receive some personalized guidance on your planning and preparations? If you have not yet walked a Camino and would like to be a guest on this podcast, I would love to hear from you. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can reach out by either email 
or simply by clicking on the link to go to a brief form on my website to let me know you're interested. I look forward to hearing from you and I wish you a beautiful Camino journey. And as always, I will say bye for now. Mm -hmm.